Hello and welcome to week 13 edition of the rest of season top 150 rankings show. My name is Adam Levitan. As always, joined by Mark Denkenbring and Jack Miller for a sad, a bittersweet day. This will be the final rest of season top 150 rankings show of the season trade deadline in almost all fantasy leagues is past. Now, it has been a labor of love for us to do the show each week. Big shout out to Mark, who took the lead on doing these rankings each week with input from our entire NFL staff. Hopefully, you guys found this exercise useful for anything that you're using it for. Mark, bittersweet day. How's it going? It is bittersweet and, uh, you know, probably won't won't be doing this show next week, but that means my time will be uh, flipped over to NBA, which is nice. I know Drew and, and the NBA team could use some more help over there. It's an absolute grind. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a great Thanksgiving meet week. I mean, super busy. Went back to Cincy, had two Thanksgivings now that I'm now that I married NBA NFL. So it was great to have a winning week. I know, you know, subscribers did well. I personally did well on Thanksgiving and Sunday. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, this is the this is the kind of final stretch of the fantasy season. So good to kick off the last month or two here uh, with a good weekend. And yeah, just excited to talk to kind of playoff strategy and, and how we're approaching the, the end part of the season here. Yeah, I was thinking about this show. Anyone still listening to a show like this likely has a very good fantasy team. Otherwise, you wouldn't care anymore. And so shout out to you for having a good fantasy team and sticking with this all year. On today's show, we're going to talk about how to handle if you have good teams. We're going to spend most of the show spending uh, spend our time on how to handle things if you have good teams. Jack, how's it going today? Going well. That That is a good point that the people still listening are, are likely winners. And I'd be interested in seeing how the viewership of this of this podcast changes over the course of the year. And if if it's if it's even close to to similar as it was two months ago, then, you know, it's only fair to assume that we have we have guided everyone successfully <laughs> to a playoff berth. Um, it is so similar. I was actually I was actually looking at our Spotify stats this morning. It actually is kind of similar. So a lot of winners out there for sure. For sure. Shout out to all of you guys. All right. Before we get into, here, into it here today, anyone who has not subscribed to in season, maybe your season long team is dead. If you're interested in trying out DFS or anything else like that, we have reduced the price again as we get towards the end of the season here. We are, are on normal content schedule for DFS through the Super Bowl projections, content, context around all of those projections. Also, all through the Super Bowl, head to the subscribe tab on EstablishTheRun.com right up here, and you can get more details. All right. Did want to touch on a couple things going on here for our last rest of season top 150 rankings. The big news of this week, of course, was Jonathan Taylor thumb surgery uh, going to be out at least two to three weeks or his expected timeline is two to three weeks. It's a unique situation, I think, because Zach Moss was so incredible when JT wasn't playing earlier this year. In fact, Zach Moss still is among the league leaders in a lot of rushing categories, even though he has been playing that much lately with JT playing. I mean, I don't see any reason to think that Zach Moss will not be a top 10, maybe even top five running back for as long as JT is out. Now, we have a reasonably big gap here between JT and Zach Moss in the rest of season top 150. My concern is that if and when JT comes back, and these timetables aren't always great, two to three weeks, if he gets back in that, yeah, he's back for the fantasy playoffs. But 
thumb surgery, blocking, you need your thumb. Catching the football, you need your thumb. It, it just concerns me a little bit. So I might be a little bit higher than we have it on Zach Moss. But yeah, Mark, tell the people what you think about the JT, Zach Moss, rest of season stuff. Well, it's nice for us as as the projections team, Jack and I, because we do have a sample early on this season where the Colts operated without Jonathan Taylor and, and didn't lean on Zach Moss as the lead back. And they haven't added any other depth there. It's still going to be Trey Sermon, you know, likely backing up Zach Moss as, as the RB2. And so with Zach Moss, I mean, just doing projections for this upcoming week, we're projecting him for over 20 carries and like three to four targets. So anytime you get that, I mean, that that's going to lead typically to RB1 production. And you mentioned Zach Moss has been legitimately good this year um, in terms of efficiency on top of the volume he's been getting. So um, I do think it's fair to, to put Zach Moss in the RB1 conversation as long as Jonathan Taylor is out. And just in terms of doing these rankings, you know, I, I'll continuously say throughout the season, the hardest part is kind of baking in injuries. Like with with Justin Jefferson, we didn't know initially how, how long he was going to be out. It's, now it's going to take him to, you know, pass the bye. So I think with the two to three week timetable on Jonathan Taylor, it's fair to, to have Zach Moss as an RB1 for that long two to three weeks. And then I do think when Jonathan Taylor comes back that I, I think Taylor will probably slide into the RB one role and they'll likely split work. So maybe instead of, you know, coming up on Moss a ton and uh, we can probably drop JT a little bit and kind of meet in the middle uh, because I do think that, you know, it's likely week 16, 17, at least for sure. If you're still in, you know, the fantasy playoff push that these guys are splitting touches. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly Moss RB1 for the next two or three weeks as long as Jonathan Taylor's out. And then I think they'll probably both be RB2s the rest of the way with both healthy. Yeah, I mean, we saw JT start to really separate in that previous game. I think that was week, what was that, week 11? Uh, Zach Moss barely played, you know. And then last week, obviously, I think JT was going to play a ton again, but then he picks up the thumb injury and he's not able to play much there. In the second half, it was just a good reminder to me, like the JT thing was a good reminder to me to go through all my season long teams and make sure that my bench is in order for running back handcuffs. There is nothing more valuable and not just for me, right? I don't want my opponent to get Zach Moss either. So like, hopefully you had Zach Moss or uh, uh, you were able to get Zach Moss because man, like he's awesome to have, but I also don't want to show up for the playoffs and have my opponent have these guys either. We'll get some more running back handcuff stashes here as the show moves on a couple more quick notes here on this rest of season top 150 Texans backfield continues to look like Devin Singletary's the carries were similar between Singletary and Pierce but a lot of people are asking how is this split going to go the rest of the season can they drop Damian Pierce we have Devin Singletary up to RB 29 Pierce back here at RB 44 Jack what do you think about Houston's stuff going forward and you're okay dropping Damian Pierce for maybe a different type of handcuff. Yeah, I, I even though the carries were similar last week, we really saw Devin Singletary dominate uh, with 82% snap share, and then he ran 35 routes on 47 uh, Stroud dropbacks, and Mike Boone was inactive too. So it seems like they're turning to Singletary as the the pass catching back. And I think Pierce is is going to remain involved on early downs a little bit, but I do think that Singletary is just a better fit for what the Texans want to do, and we've seen things trend that way even before uh pierce initially got hurt so pierce i i think he's still a fine handcuff um where if something happens to singletary you can plug him in and he'll get somewhere in the 10 to 10 to 15 carries at least range um but i do think that at this point that's pretty much all damian pierce is is just devin singletary's 
back up and spelling him a little bit uh, on early downs. And I think given the disparity in snap share and, and, and really just how they utilize their running backs in pretty much every situation, we can expect a wider gap um, for between Singletary and Pierce moving forward. I, I would expect him to be ahead in all facets. Um, so yeah, Pierce for the, for me right now is just a, five to eight carry per game guy where you need an injury to Singletary for him to be anything worthwhile. Yeah. It, schedule is really tough for Houston, right? I mean, they play the Broncos this week, then at Jets, at Titans, versus Browns, versus Titans, you know? And like Titans defense is not impenetrable, but certainly reasonable against the run. So I like where we have Singletary here relatively low. And, I, you know, like Jack said, I think Pierce is nothing more than a handcuff at best, but it's a pretty weak handcuff in my opinion also. So I would be okay if you did have to drop Damian Pierce. I think that's probably fine. A couple other ranking things. Oh, this Pittsburgh thing. I mean, I hated Matt Canada too, but I'm not going to sit here and say that everything is solved now. They went over 400 yards. They averaged over six yards per play. It also came against a Bengals defense, which is getting getting shredded by everyone. So I'm kind of in the middle on the Pittsburgh stuff. The thing is they do play Arizona again this week. So I like them again this week, certainly, but I'm not going to sit here and say that Kenny Pickett is some world beater. Mark, what do you think about the rankings rest of season on the Steelers guys? I think we can feel a bit better about this offense, just producing yardage and, and potentially points. You know, we saw the yardage, come this past week with, with Canada, Canada gone. And I do think, you know, when, when everyone is just kind of shitting all over Matt Canada, and then this happens in the first game without him, you know, I do think there is some signal there. And and you mentioned they get Arizona this week, then they play new England who hasn't been a great team and, and their offense will lead to, you know, the, the opposing offense getting plenty of snaps off and then they get the Colts and Bengals again as well. So I think, you know, for Pittsburgh, we can feel decent, at least on the players floors, Moving forward, you know, the things are relatively condensed between Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, and then the running backs. And now we have Pat Frymuth in the conversation. So I think all these guys are, you know, solid fantasy investments down the stretch, just kind of given their schedule. Um, I, I think the main issue that could pop up here is Pittsburgh in December. The weather could get could get dicey for the passing game potentially. But I do think, you know, without Canada there that that the floor is certainly raised. And if, you know, we run into some touchdowns, then then that could be useful as well. I mean, Seven days ago, I was laughed at for saying that Pat Firemuth is better than Dan Bellinger and Derm Smythe. And now, lo and behold, Pat Firemuth is the cover of everybody's waiver article. And Pat, listen, man, you don't go to Penn State and score 20 plus touchdowns without being able to play ball. All right. So, yeah, shout out to Pat for shoving it down all the haters and the losers throats. Uh, all right. Let's move to. DST for the playoffs. So people listening to this, I think almost certainly have a pretty good team on my good season long teams right now. I've been trying to get chiefs at all costs. I missed them. They, they went on waivers this week in one league I was in. I bid like four and I think they went for six and I feel pretty sick about it because chiefs defense and the fantasy playoffs will face Patriots Raiders, Bengals. So we're talking about Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi, AOC, and Jake Browning. If you're going to be in the playoffs 
and Chiefs are available, I mean, I should have bid more. You know, I'm actually tilted at myself. Like, I, I should have bid more for the Chiefs there. Jack, any other playoff DST stashes you want to mention there beyond the Chiefs? Yeah, with the Chiefs, um, I would note that they play the Bills next week. So they're, I think they're a top five fantasy defense right now on most sites, or at least they are on ESPN. So decent chance that they're already owned, especially coming off a game against uh, Las Vegas. But maybe wait a week and they, they could be back on waivers. Otherwise, the Texans get the Titans twice in the playoffs and the Browns in between them. Uh, the Jags close with at Tampa Bay and then versus the Panthers um especially that week 17 matchup against carolina would be pretty good um and then the falcons play the panthers in week 15 and the bears in week 17 and then they have gardner Minshew in between indianapolis has actually been scoring a good amount of points um but it, it's still a uh, gardner Minshew at quarterback so some potential for for turnovers um and sacks yeah there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the thing about the defense stuff is that there's so many bad quarterbacks in the NFL right now. It's not like like I'm it's not I it's I'm pissed at myself that I missed on Chiefs, but there's gonna be a lot of other defenses that I can get in on. I mean, Tommy DeVito plays the Saints, Tommy DeVito still plays the Rams. I mean, this guy has the highest sack rate I've ever seen in my entire life. So yeah, you're gonna get opportunities to go up against other quarterbacks there but those ones that jack mentioned i think are certainly in play mark anything to add on the dst stash discussion for good teams yeah i think you you nailed it on there so many backup quarterbacks and shaky quarterback play that this year i think stashing defenses might be a little less valuable than than in previous seasons uh just because there are so many good quarterbacks to attack and typically that's what we're doing when we're when we're targeting fantasy defenses so i kind of tiered out the the teams that i want to go against tier one i think is the giants jets and the panthers all bottom three you know really poor offensive lines really poor quarterback play can just pile up sacks and turnovers tier two i think is the titans browns and patriots again poor offensive line or poor offensive line play for the titans and then poor quarterback play for the for the other two teams and then tier three i think you know you have the bears justin fields always has a high sack rate the commanders sam howell and they drop back to pass a ton then you get teams kind of like the Bengals, Raiders, and Broncos, who all have quarterbacks with decently high sack rates and just aren't that talented of offenses at this point in time. So, um, you know, and, and I think you guys nailed it in terms of other defenses you're targeting for the playoffs, though. Okay. I would consider running back handcuffs at this point way more valuable than defense handcuffs because of what Mark was just describing about how many bad quarterbacks there are out there. I think the running back, handcuffs are actually more viable. I just, I've been going through this myself. So I figured that I'd tweet out a list. I didn't put a ton of thought into this. I probably messed up the order some, but I listed 14 one injury away running back handcuffs that might or probably are available in your league right now. I wouldn't go off the order there per se, but I do think that these guys are more of a priority for me than defenses. You know, even someone like, Dearness Johnson, uh, even someone like Josh Kelly, who I know has face planted before when Eckler has been out, you know, P Ryan, if something happened to Javante would split with McLaughlin some, but still, I think it would be pretty valuable. Antonio Gibson playing more on a team that passes so much, I think is super valuable. And then obviously Eli Mitchell, Rico Dowdle, Tyler Algier are incredibly valuable. And those top three, I think should be owned again. I don't want to get into a situation where 
a running back, a starting running back gets hurt. And not only do I not have him, but my opponent either has him or is able to get him. So yeah, Mark, I'll give you a chance here. Any more thoughts on running back handcuffs? I know we do have a lot of them listed here in the rest of the season top 150. Yeah, I think the tail end of of the 150 is a good spot to look for potential stashes. And I do think it's important to identify running backs that would get a lion's share of the workload, you know, if if the starter went down. So there's a few examples of of kind of backfields that I wouldn't necessarily want to target just because I, I do think it's a little shaky. Like like the Broncos backfield, if if Javante Williams went down, I think that'd be a pretty even split between Jaleel McLaughlin and Samaj P. Ryan. So like that isn't as valuable as say the Dallas backfield where Rico Dowdle, it, it seems like would take the lion's share of the touches. And even Houston, you know, Damian Pierce, I think would be like a more valuable handcuff because he would likely get the lion's share as well. Um, I do think Dearness Johnson is interesting. And we've seen him emerge as the, as the RB2 in Jacksonville. I think Amari DiMercato is, is somewhat interesting as well. James Conner for the Cardinals, you know, often injured and, and DiMercato has been used as the early down back and pass game back as well. So he could take over. Um, and then Ty Chandler, who's going into a buy this week. Like I actually, I actually dropped Ty Chandler in a league to prioritize something else in week 13. I think other people might do that as well. So Ty Chandler, I think if Madison were, were to go down, you know, be on that list as well. But yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, I, I think it kind of caters to your team. If I, I would prioritize handcuffs, if you have that team starting running back, like I would prioritize those handcuffs at this point in the season. Well, yeah, my, my thing on like, I had Ty Chandler pretty low on my list. Cause even if Ty Chandler had a full-time role, this backfield run game is so broken, like so broken. I, I'm not even convinced that I'd be excited to start Ty Chandler. Now I haven't looked at Minnesota's matchups, but yeah, like I agree with you that Ty Chandler would play more than say Antonio Gibson, but I might prefer to start Antonio Gibson if that makes sense. Or like Gainwell would share with Boston Scott and maybe Rashad Penny, but I'd much rather have a piece of the Eagles offense than, you know, Minnesota backfield or Tennessee backfield. You know, I had Tajay Spears kind of low on my list. I like Taji Spears, but I, I don't feel great about Tennessee scoring more than 17 points in a game the rest of the year. So like I, I tried to lean my list a little bit more towards guys on better offenses who, who I would be uh, excited about starting. And like if something happened to CMC, Eli Mitchell wouldn't get 100% of the work, but Eli Mitchell would be an awesome play, I think, if something happened to CMC, if that makes sense. Agree on Dowdle. Certainly we've already seen it with Algier. And then, yeah, the Dearness one is interesting. I, I, I would have had, I should have had Dearness higher on my list. I think the question on Dearness is, do you think Tank Bigsby will play at all if ETN goes down? I kind of think Tank Bigsby will, but there's a case to be made that he won't because Tank Bigsby has been so incredibly mistake prone. Like the coaches may just not want to put him out there. And Dearness has been a quality XFL and NFL running back before. So yeah, we can talk a little bit more about this in the moves to make and in the question section. But Jack, anything to add on running back handcuffs here? Yeah, I think you pretty much uh, nailed it. I, I do think Dearness would be one of my favorites on the list just because of how he was deployed last week when ETN missed a little bit of the game. Like Tank Bigsby still only played two snaps. But uh, besides that, I think you guys pretty much had it covered. Yeah, okay. Let's go to some of your questions. Appreciate the people who submitted questions all year. Gabe says he's nine and three. He clinched the playoff spot in a bye. He effectively has the next three weeks off. So this is like a huge advantage right now. You're able to optimize your team for the playoffs. You don't have to worry about winning for the next three weeks. Gabe says, assuming we get confirmation, JT isn't going to IR. What would you look to get to return for Moss? In other words, 
he doesn't need Moss for the next three weeks. He doesn't need to win. What should he get for him? I think he should get a ton. Like to a team fighting for the playoffs, Zach Moss is worth an incredible amount. Like I would be asking for guys in our top 150, probably close to the JT range, like Zach Moss for Debo Samuel or something like that. I don't think that's crazy at all, Mark. What would you be asking for if you were in this spot? Yeah, you're you're holding the cards here, so I think you can be pretty aggressive and and like you said, target the teams that are in the middle of the pack and need wins the next few weeks. And I, I would be trying to yeah flip for like a locked in wide receiver too. I think you know Debo is is interesting if you can kind of play it toward for another running back that you prefer to have. Like if if you're expecting JT to come back, you know I think that's fine as well. But certainly like in the top forty, you know in our rest of the season top one fifty, I, I think you can really be aggressive uh, because as we've said, Moss is is going to be a locked in RB one until JT does come back. Yeah, I mean to be clear, Moss is going to be one of our highest projected players on the entire slate for the week upcoming. MLB P Mouse says, "What is the outlook for Austin Eckler?" My trade deadline is Friday. Ooh, we found someone who hasn't had their trade deadline yet. Uh, would you look to trade him or just hope he starts converting goal line touches? My concern on Eckler is I think he's still bothered by the ankle injury that he sustained earlier this year. It was reported as a high ankle sprain. He came back very quickly, maybe too quickly, if it really was a high ankle sprain. Everybody saw the play where he was looked like he was trying to sprint, but he was only going 13 miles an hour. I mean... That's pretty freaking slow, man. Uh, I thought that was, you know, kind of fluky. He can certainly run faster than that. But I do have concerns about the ankle and his health. Jack, I don't know what you could get for Eckler right now. I feel like people are pretty scared. Would you be trading Eckler if your deadline was coming up? Yeah, I think people are going to value Eckler too low um, in relation to the workload he's going to get. I mean, Everyone saw that clip, and I think that that probably had a pretty real impact on his public perception just because he looked so bad on that. But, I mean, the receiving workload should still be there. He had six targets last week. He's still the primary early down back on a good offense. Um, I definitely do think that he's still dealing with that injury that he suffered earlier in the year, but I don't think that anyone's going to pay for the workload he's expected to get. So I think you kind of have to just hold on to him. Yeah, I think so too. And his role is still really good. I'm not worried about the goal line chances. I think the explosive plays though, certainly uh, concern me right now on Austin Eckler. T Corbin says thoughts on Derek Henry, given his playoff schedule, the playoff schedule that uh, T Corbin is referring to Derek Henry will play home against the Texans home against the Seahawks at Texans in the fantasy playoffs. I actually don't think Houston is a great matchup anymore. Like, it's fine, but I know people are accustomed to Texans being like a pushover. Derrick Henry's going to go for huge games against them. I'm not sure that that's true. So, yeah, what do you think about Derrick Henry right now, Mark? And I should also note that Derrick Henry in our rest of the season top 150, just to service the audio listeners here, is at 49th overall, the RB17. I think with Derrick Henry, it's... Uh, you know, I'm worried about the offensive environment for sure. I, I do think like playing against the Texans with with how that offense has been rolling. And you mentioned the defense is not necessarily a, a pushover anymore. Like I, I imagine the Titans will be, man, when they play in Houston, probably five or six point underdogs, which is not the scenario that, that we want to get excited. It, it, right. It, at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and that's not necessarily the scenario we get excited about when when playing Derrick Henry, um, because we've seen when the Titans fall behind, they're going to turn to Tajay Spears more. So 
you know, I, I don't think it's a great playoff schedule. I think given his matchup and success against the Panthers this last week, I mean, that's literally the best spot you can possibly get for Derrick Henry at this point in time is at home against the Panthers team. So uh, if, if you do, you know, if the trade deadline hasn't passed, I'd be interested in, in flipping Derrick Henry for, you know, another RB two or wide receiver two. I, I think, you know, look like in the off season, everyone was so excited about having those two matchups against the Texans. And I don't necessarily see it that way anymore. And, and even against Seattle, I don't think, is a great matchup as well. I think, I think the Titans will be underdogs in that game also. So, um, you know, I'm kind of out on Derrick Henry in terms of him being like an RB one the rest of the way. So if you can get out, that would be, that would be my opinion. Yeah. I, I also don't like these spots for Derrick Henry, man. I mean, this team is bad. And even against the Panthers, he had to save his day with touchdowns. And I get that's his game. I get that's part of it. We can't ignore that, but I was expect I wasn't expecting, I think people that were super excited about Derrick Henry, we're expecting him to like just shred the Panthers for 60 yard touchdown runs. I'm not sure that's in him anymore, man. I I, I yeah. just, I'm not sure. And, and we also saw, I think it was against the, against the bucks, like the, the Titans ran what 38 plays or something, yeah. you know, the, the, the floor on this offense is extremely low. So if he's not ripping off big runs and they're playing from behind, it's, it's not a good scenario. All right. B Jersky says, would you trade Justin Fields for an upgrade somewhere? If you have CJ Stroud? And if so, what are some examples you'd trade? him for so I always have trouble in season-long trading quarterbacks I mean everybody has a quarterback already they're pretty unlikely to think that Fields is an upgrade on whoever they have if there's only you know 12 or 15 quarterbacks rostered in the league and I would also add that CJ Stroud yes he has two awesome matchups in the playoffs against the Titans he plays the Titans twice in the fantasy playoffs which are both really strong but he has a week 16 game against the Browns and like I love CJ Stroud. I don't think this is a fluke at all. But if I had a choice, I might just keep Fields and Stroud and try to play matchups there in that Browns matchup. Jack, any thoughts on handling quarterbacks? There's probably a lot of people out there that have two viable quarterbacks. I'm just not sure that you can really find a trade partner at this point. Yeah, I think that makes sense playing the matchups, like you said. And and Fields plays the Browns in week 15. So that's, yeah. you probably want to start Stroud there. Um, if, if and the call, hold on real quick, real quick. I just pulled up the schedule. Cardinals fields is home against the Cardinals in week 16. How can you not keep fields for week 16? The fantasy semifinals against the Cardinals. I think, yeah, you got to keep them both. Right. Jay. Yeah, I do think so. Probably since you don't want to be trotting out Stroud versus Cleveland in the semifinals. Yeah. By the way, this CJ Stroud thing, man, I mean, absolutely shredding. We have him up to quarterback six in the rest of season rankings, only behind Hertz, Allen, Lamar, Mahomes, and Dak. I mean, for a guy who doesn't give you a lot of rushing, that's, I mean, dude is just shredding. Unreal. Dom says, is T Higgins droppable? So talked a little bit with Evan about this on team by team. Hopefully you guys caught that. T Higgins is an impending free agent. Jake Browning is his quarterback. The Bengals are really unlikely to even make the playoffs. T. Higgins is dealing with a hamstring injury. I see if I was T. Higgins, I would not go out there with Jake Browning and this team and put that kind of tape out there as I get ready to make 30 million a year or something totally insane. You know, like I wouldn't be risking injury. I wouldn't be risking bad tape with Jake Browning. I that sounds selfish. I'm about to make $30 million a year. You would have to throw me on the field to get me out there, literally. And Maybe I don't have enough heart, but I'm telling you. So if you wanted to drop T Higgins, 
I wouldn't have a huge problem with it. We have him down to 87 overall. I have no idea if he's going to play this week. I'd be real. I would personally be surprised if he plays this week. So yeah, I don't know, Jack, what do you think about this one on T Higgins? I'd probably be holding on to T Higgins. Um, but if it, if you have a, a short bench, I don't mind cutting ties, especially since we've seen Cincinnati be so careful with them. Like even, even if he comes back in week, 13 or 14 or, or whenever he ends up coming back. We've seen the Bengals basically use him as a decoy before. We've seen him come back and re-aggravate. So I think that even if he comes back, you're going to want to wait a week or two before you actually start him, if if you are going to start him with Jake Browning. Um, so I would be holding on to him, I think. But if you have a short bench, I don't mind cutting ties. Yeah, it's an interesting thought exercise, right? It depends on what kind of wide receivers you have on my team. Some teams I have loaded wide receivers and T. Higgins. And I, at that point, like, give me a handcuff over T Higgins. But I understand if you need, if you think you might need to start him, I thought they didn't really change their pass rate that much. Jake Browning was reasonably aggressive. So I could see the case for holding him also. The name's Jib says, are Khalil Herbert and Damian Pierce droppable after usage last week? Would you rather have a high upside running back locked into the playoffs like Elijah Keaton or maybe Rico Dowdle? Who is your favorite? Oh, we forgot to talk about Keaton Mitchell, Mark. So let's talk about Keaton Mitchell here. And yes, we already talked about how we thought, or at least I thought Damian Pierce is fine to drop. But yeah, what do you think about this question, Mark? And then we should go over the change that the Ravens are making at running back. Yeah, this question specifically with with Herbert in the Bears backfield, like I, you know, I'd be fine dropping him. It does look like they're are going to play Roshan Johnson ahead of him, but this has kind of been a scenario that's been flip-flop throughout the season. We saw Deontay Foreman be a healthy scratch, you know, with a few weeks. And then once Herbert got injured, he became the lead back. Um, we're expecting him to probably come back after the week 13 bye. So I, th- I think it's probably fine to drop Herbert if you want to. I would definitely add Keaton Mitchell over Khalil Herbert for sure. Um, you know, we saw him him kind of get the, you know, the start this past week and play the most snaps of, among the Ravens running backs, but it was still only 46% of the snaps and like he got nine carries and two targets. So it's not like Keaton Mitchell is, is going to be an RB1. You know, I think the Ravens really are going to mix in three running backs every week. And, you know, if we come back from the buy and, and Gus Edwards still gets the goal line carries over Keaton Mitchell, are, are we going to be that surprised? I would I would say no. So I think it's a pretty fluid situation there. And, you know, the, the Ravens care about winning games, not necessarily about, you know, the fantasy production of their running backs. So I think that's a pretty tough situation to feel great about. I do think Keaton is, you know, I would rather have him over Herbert and yes. Pierce, but I think all these guys are, you know, and then Elijah Mitchell and Rico Daddle, they're just in better offenses than the Bears and the Texans at this point. So I think, you know, I'd probably rather have all three of those guys over Herbert and Pierce. Um, agreed. Yeah, but yeah, we're just kind of, you know, waiting on injury outside of everyone, but Keaton. Agreed, agreed. All right, last question we have here comes from Eric. He says, we've been real low on Ramondre Stevenson. Are we expecting the wheels to fall off? He's been getting there. The ETR hate is strong. I, I wouldn't say the ETR hate has been strong. We were certainly low on him before the season, which I thought was definitely right. We had a really good projection on him this past week in DFS, though, because he was facing the Giants, which hit in a big way. I personally think that it's hard for Ramondre to keep getting there on such a bad offense when he's sharing time with Ezekiel Elliott. But as we saw this past week in the right matchup, he certainly can. We have Ramondre 76th overall. Any rest of season outlook here on Ramondre, Jack? Yeah, I think what has maybe gotten lost a little little bit is that the receiving role for Ramondre Stevenson has come 
basically all the way back to where it was for a portion of last season. He started the year um, getting not even a 10% target share. Now he has six straight games above 13.6, which is really strong for a running back. So the offense is going to be bad. It doesn't matter if they start Mac Jones or, or Bailey Zappi or Malik Cunningham. It's going to be a bad offense, but Stevenson could still be usable because he's getting so many targets. And if they happen to fall into the end zone, that benefits him as well. Um, so I think that the volume here is maybe uh, a little underrated and I don't mind him as a, a fantasy starter right now, but it is hard to get excited about the weekly touchdown upside just with the offense being so terrible. Yeah, and Zeke is a threat to steal the touchdowns also. Now, Ramontre's been getting so many touches and he has a good matchup this week against the Chargers. But after that, at Steelers versus Chiefs, at Broncos, at Bills versus Jets. I don't feel great about Ramondre, man. Um, but I haven't felt great about him all year. And uh, shout out to Austin and uh, um, and a couple other ETR people who won incredible amounts of money with Ramondre this past week. All right. We'll wrap up here with just one move to make. One move for a contending team. If you have more, you can throw in some more. But one move, at least, for a contending team here, for a playoff-bound team to make to improve their roster right now. Mark, if you're ready, I will start with you. Yeah, mine would be to add the Texans' defense. And this looks good for the playoffs and also looks good the next couple of weeks as well because they get Denver at home this week and then they play against the Jets. So I think you can add the Texans this week and feel confident about playing them for the rest of the season. And then in the fantasy playoffs, you know, we hit on it. They play at the Titans, they get the Browns at home and then the Titans at home again. So, you know, five very favorable matchups for the rest of the season for the Texans. And they've got a middle of the pack, you know, defensive line, according to Brandon Thorne and his rankings on our site. And then, uh, you know, they got Derek Stingley back in the secondary. And I think just this defense is, is going to be playing from ahead with how well the offense has been playing under CJ Stroud. And, and typically when, you know, we're attacking fantasy defenses, we want to play them, you know, when they're playing with a lead and we know the opponent is going to be drop, dropping back to pass because that is often how fantasy points are created for the defense. So I'm going to say add Texans defense. Love it. If you missed on the chiefs, I, I, I like that one a lot. Add Texans defense, Jack, go ahead with your move to make. Yeah, I'm going to do add Dearness Johnson. We touched on it a little bit earlier uh, today, but he outsnapped Tank Bigsby 30-2 to this past week, including when ETN missed a little bit of time with an injury. Uh, they used him in the past game. This offense is at least above average uh, at worst. Uh, at best, it, it can be one of the best offenses in the league. And if something happens to ETN, then I think Dearness Johnson would be in for a pretty sizable workload um and then for just another quick one i do think that adding the chiefs defense is is pretty sharp it's going to be tough this week but i do think that some people are going to stream them or drop them to stream another team against the bills next week and they get jake browning in fantasy championship week uh browning looked pretty terrible on sunday and had like 50 yards on should have been pick sixes um or at least one should have been pick six so i, I think that you could maybe add the Chiefs defense for free a week from now. Yep. Definitely keep an eye out for that. I like that call as well. All right. If you have a team that's going to be in the playoffs or really likely to be in the playoffs, and you should be able to estimate that some percentage 
how likely you are to have to use guys on your bench. I think that almost certainly you should be finding room on your bench to have these really high upside stashes at running back. I would consider those Eli Mitchell, Rico Dowdle, Tyler Algier, and Dearness Johnson. Those would probably be guys who I think 100% should be rostered no matter what. If you have room, more room, the guys like Antonio Gibson, P. Ryan, Gainwell, Josh Kelly, Ty Chandler, guys like that I would want to have on my roster as well. So my move to make is to take some time, sit down, figure out who you can drop and which of these running back guys, running back handcuffs are available. You just never know where an injury is going to come from. All these people who say they can predict injuries, they're all stone cold liars. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They're all liars. You cannot predict injuries whatsoever. I've been told DeAndre Swift is injury prone. He hasn't missed a snap. I've been told Christian McCaffrey is injury prone. He hasn't missed a freaking snap in two years. Jonathan Taylor didn't miss a practice since he was in high school. Now this guy all of a sudden can't stay healthy for more than three weeks at a time. You never know where the injury is going to come from. The biggest edge that you will find is by having someone like Zach Moss on your bench. If the starter gets hurt, it's really hard for your opponents to overcome that. So I move to make, again, running back handcuffs. All right, this was fun all year. Appreciate all you guys who stayed tuned all year and listened to this. Big shout out to Mark for taking the lead on the rest of the season, top 150 and working on this every Tuesday night and Wednesday with the help of Jack and Herzig and Leone and all the other people and Wiggins and all the other people that contributed to helping on the top 150 all year. Good luck the rest of the way on your season-long teams. Waiver show will continue up until the fantasy playoffs and team-by-team team will continue every single week through the Super Bowl as well. And of course, a solo pod will continue for those of you who need your sex jokes. All right, four, Mark, four, Jack, for producer Ryan and everyone else behind the scenes, good luck, everybody.